Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. As always, we begin with gratitude. Thank you to our generous sponsors of our series for the year, Becky and Avi Katz and family, in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lila Nishmas, David Ben, Menachem Manish. We're very, very grateful. I want to bring two other opportunities to your attention. Number one, that we have begun a beautiful write-up of the Parsha Perspectives. So we often share eight to ten or more Divrei Torah, we're taking three and writing them up so you can say them at your Shabbos table. And they are distributed to uh, tens of thousands of people through our website and the weekly, online and offline, and why use Parsha Reader and other mechanisms. If you'd like to sponsor a write-up of the Parsha perspective, we could use your support and help because I'm not doing it, someone is doing it for me, and there's a cost involved. So we're not making money, we're simply covering the cost to provide the write-up of the Parsha Perspective, $180 to sponsor, just like the Shear itself. And uh, you could do it in honor and memory of anyone. Please be in touch with Lee, L-E-E, at brsonline.org. And also, and more importantly, we've begun a campaign. Our beloved Esti Moskowitz, daughter of Rabbi Phil and Ariel Moskowitz, we know is a continued need of Rafua Shlema. And we've begun a one plus one campaign. One dollar a day to Tzedakah and a minute a day of learning. Today you're going to get much more than a minute coming to the Parsha class. But you can join a WhatsApp group where there's a one minute, 60 second of our Torah posted every day. One minute of Torah learning, one dollar of Tzedakah giving, all in her merit. Estotilabas Ariel Tzipora. You can go to brsonline.org, one and one, the number one. A-N-D-1, one, 1 and 1, and join Daily Giving, a dollar a day. BRS are not recipients of the money. This is not a ploy for us to make money, God forbid, but it's an opportunity to give stuck and to diversify the giving elsewhere. BRSonline.org, 1 and 1, BRSonline.org, 1 and 1, in the merit of Esti, she should have a refuah speedy, painless, and complete. This week we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bichukosai, page 708, in the art scroll Chumash, and on these opening words, there is so much to say. We could spend our entire hour just on these opening words, just on this opening pasuk, this opening sentence. Often, Bahar and Bechukosai are read together, and we don't get the chance to do a deep dive into the Parshas Bechukosai, because we don't know how to plan or allocate accordingly. We spend all of our time at the beginning. But this year is different, Parshas Bechukosai. So here we go, let's dive in. In Bechukosai Teilechu, Ves mitzvosai teshmeru v'asisem osam. Torah sets up a paradigm. If you follow my chukim and you observe my mitzvos and you perform them v'asisem osam, then quid pro quo. Here's the deal. Hashem says, God says, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Observe and be compliant of my mitzvos and I'll make you happy. I'll make it rain. V'nasanti gishmechem bi'itam. I'll make it rain in the right time. V'nasnah ha'aretz yivula ve'etz ha'sadeh yitain piryoh. And the land will give its produce. The tree of the field will give its fruit. Ve'isig lachem da'ish as batzir, batzir asig as azara. V'achaltam lasova and so on. Your threshing will last until the vintage, the vintage until the sowing. You'll eat your bread till you're satisfied. And you will dwell securely. V'yishavtem lavetach ba'artzachem. Boy, isn't that a hope and aspiration for us to be living peacefully in our land. No more terror, no more enemies, but to live peacefully. What will precipitate this reality? When will Hashem make it rain? That's the vernacular. When we earn a parnassah, when the livelihood flows, when the money's coming in. We talk about being a rainmaker or making it rain. When will Hashem make it rain in our lives? When will the stock market go up instead of down? When will that happen? In bechukosai teilechu. 
First Pasuk tells us that's the condition, that's the rule, that's what it will take. So let's see several interpretations of what that means. Says Rashi, Yochal mitzvos. So maybe Bechuko Saite Lechel means fulfill mitzvos. After all, what are chukim? This is framed, it's phrased as walk with my chukim. What are chukim? A form of mitzvos. But that can't be, says Rashi. Kishu Omer Ves Mitzvos Saitishmeru. We're already referencing separately and independently the observance of mitzvahs. So we're about to say, and if you keep my mitzvahs. So chukim can't be mitzvahs because then it would be repetitive or redundant. We're about to mention mitzvahs. Chukim must mean something different. What does it mean? Famously, Rashi quotes Chazal that tell us, what does bechukosaytelechu mean? It can't mean mitzvahs. Mitzvahs we're about to say, so what does it mean? It means, Shatiyu Amelim Batora. It means toil, effort, sweat, tears, work. Don't have a casual attitude towards Torah. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it as something pedestrian. Amelus, effort and work and toil. How is that hinted to in the words? I understand that it can't mean mitzvos because we're about to say mitzvos. Mitzvosai tishmeru means mitzvos. Chuki, chukosai needs to mean something else. But how do I know it means amelus batorah? How do I know it means take a serious attitude and approach, effort, work towards Torah? So if Shmuel Rizovsky, Zatzal the of Panovich says, in the word teilechu, nemashatzar chalicha, what does halicha means? To walk, to go. How does one walk? You put one foot in front of the other. You proceed, you make progress, you advance, you grow, you journey towards a destination. To be a holich, to be in halicha, to be following halacha means to refuse to stand still, to never have arrived, to never be complacent, to never be done. But it means to make progress, to climb, to go. To be drawn to and to work on and to advance towards understanding the mysteries and the secrets and the revealed and the beauty of Torah. And how do you do that? With work. It doesn't come easily. Nothing in life that's worth it comes easily. We can't download Torah into our mind and we can't be half asleep while we listen or learn. It takes work and it takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes ambition. It takes aspiration. It takes drive. It takes drive. You have to be steigen. Telchu meant steigen. Und steigen, said the Panovich Rosh Hashiva. It means to steig, it means to toil, it means to put in that effort, it means to work. There is no neutral. You know, Florida, there are no hills. If you leave a car in neutral in Florida, it can remain there forever. You could go have lunch, you go to the Parshashir, you come back. But if you're in Yerushalayim, the holiest place on earth, and you put a car in neutral, it's going to go downhill, you'll probably never see it again. And if you can catch up with it, what it will take to stop it and to make it climb again. In a place of hills, of holiness, there, are no, there is no neutral. 
There is no having arrived. There is no apathy, complacency. You have to be in a permanent state of climbing, of growing, of advancing, of working. We spoke about it a little bit this past Shabbos and Shul. I won't repeat the drusha, but I'll tell you something that I left out, which is the following. When we went on our fly into New York, we met with Ravav Mishor. Rav Shor shared with us. He heard directly from the Pnei Menachem, the Ger Rebbe, was once asked, why did God create the world with gravity? Why did Hashem invent a world with his gravity? Gravity is terribly inconvenient. If I'm holding something and I let go, I wish it would just remain where it is. The fact that if I want to lift my cup, to say l'chaim, if I want to lift my cup, I have to oppose and fight the forces of gravity. It's inconvenient. Why? So the Pnei Menachem the Rebbe said, because gravity in the world of physics is a mushal for gravity in the world of metaphysics. Gravity in the physical world is a metaphor for gravity in the spiritual world. That just like when it comes to the physical world, one can't be in neutral. There's a gravitational pull. If you want to lift something, if you want to make it go higher, you have to oppose the force of gravity. So too in the spiritual world, there is no neutral. There is no parav. You can't remain still or stable. But there's a force. Olam Haza is pulling us down. The Yitzhahara is pulling us down. Gravity in the physical world and gravity in the spiritual world is pulling us down. And how do we oppose it? You have to fight the force of gravity. You have to lift. You have to lift. And how do you lift? You have to engage your muscles. Now this cup, or this safer, it's a little bit more effort. But when something is heavy, the more significant, the heavier it is, the more muscle you have to engage. What does it take? What does it require? Amelus, effort. So to lift our neshama, to lift our souls, to pursue holiness, not happiness, that's heavy. It takes amelus to lift and to fight the force of spiritual gravity. The olam hazeh, the gravity of this world of the Yitzhahara, that says, shluf, sleep in, don't go to shul. Eat whatever you want, where you want, when you want. Don't make a bracha. Don't care if it's kosher. Don't care if it's healthy. Say what you want. Look at what you want. Do what you want. That gravitational pull is pulling us down. In Bechukosai Teilechu says the Panavich Rosh Hashiva of Shmurazovsky, that halicha, why is it not? In Bechukosai Teilechu. What was the hint? What was the giveaway that we're talking about? Amelus? Teilechu. Because it takes effort, Teilechu. It takes effort to walk. It's tiring, you have to lift your legs. It's hard. Stairs, wah. It's hard. Climb stairs, you tire easily. Your muscles give out. So telechu, to climb life, takes amelos, shetu amelim Torah. Torah is telling us it's not just observe mitzvos. Casually check, did the mitzvah, good enough, done. Shetu amelim Torah. Any life that's worth living takes effort. The reward is according to the effort, the fumsara agra. And the hint, the giveaway were, telechu. If you want to walk, if you want to climb, it takes effort. Amelus batora. The great Mashkiach of Panovich, we're in Panovich today, apparently. We're in Panovich. The great Mashkiach of Panovich, of Chaim Friedlander, the Sivse Chaim, he asked, how do they know Bechukosai telechu is amelus? Maybe it means learning Torah. Maybe it means Yidiyas Torah. Maybe it simply means acquiring Torah knowledge. Maybe it means being occupied and preoccupied with Torah study. How do we know it means amelus, to toil and effort and effort? So he says, When you're going towards a certain effort, towards a certain goal, 
So you only measure success by how much you achieved what? The goal. If you're trying to solve a mathematical equation, did you come to the solution or not? Now, okay, it's a bad example maybe because teachers say show your work and the work matters. But we know that what matters is the bottom line. What we care about, what this world teaches us is, what matters is the bottom line. Did you achieve the goal? Were you successful? Did you arrive at the outcome? The journey, it's not important. Did you get to the destination or not? The journey is simply the journey is the necessary what you need to do to get to the destination, but no one cares about the journey, but Torah is different. What we care about is the halicha. Are you on a journey of growth? Did you arrive? It's important, but it's not the sole measure. It's not the sole metric. Did you arrive? Did you complete? It's not the destination alone. It's the journey. Were you on a journey? A halicha. It's not a coincidence that the Jewish law, the code of Jewish law is called, when we observe, what are we observing? Halacha. Halacha comes from halicha. It's not law. American law is not the American guidebook. It's law. It's dry, sterile, boring law. But Torah, Jewish law, is halacha. It's halacha. It's guiding us on this journey called life, where it's not only the destination, it's not only did we arrive at the solution, but it's did you enjoy and did you engage and did you make an effort on the journey? Did you try? Did you try? The journey is the tachlas, is the goal. The goal is not the only goal. The journey is the goal. My future son-in-law actually said this this past Motei Shabbos. We had a vort. My daughter Leora got engaged. And Hillel impressed, I don't know if he impressed others, at least he impressed me. And frankly, that's all that matters. But he gave a beautiful Dvar Torah. And he quoted his Rebbe, Rebbe Kalish, about an esrog. That an esrog, the Gemara tells us that the taste of the bark and the fruit is the same. What does that mean? It means the bark, the tree, is simply the means to get to the fruit. So normally all we care about is the taste of the fruit. But here the bark and the fruit are the same because it's the effort, it's the journey. It's the growth of the bark of the tree that yields the fruit that also matters. That's the same that we also care about, that we also taste from. We don't only care about arriving at the destination, we care about the journey. Halicha, halacha, telechu. The Torah is our guidebook through life. And we're not a failure if we didn't get there. We actually say this in every siyum. Chavetz Chaim points out in others as well. What do we recite in a siyum? Anu amelem vehem amelem. Anu amelem amekavlem schar vehem amelem vehena amekavlem schar. We are Amel, we put in effort, we toil, and we are rewarded. They toil, and they are not rewarded. They're not rewarded? Aaron Judge is on pace to hit 4 billion home runs, and they're talking about his contract being renewed for $350 million. I would say, That's a pretty good schar. Anyone know Aaron Judge? Anyone know what I'm talking about? The Yankees? What's the matter with you people? We know there are people. They trade Bitcoin. They buy this. They build a business. You sell real estate in South Florida. Of course they get reward. So how can we so confidently say, we toil and we are rewarded? They toil. They're not rewarded. So Chaim says, 
That's not what it means. What it means is, you open up a Gemara and you're breaking your teeth on a Taisvis. You're breaking your teeth to understand the Gemara. We're in the middle of Yavamas and Dafyomi. Yavamas among the three most difficult Masechtas. It's a difficult, difficult Masechta. Parts of it are terribly, terribly difficult. You know the Masechta is difficult when you're relieved to get to Petzua Daka and Krush Shafcha Sugyas. It's a tough Masechta. It's a tough, tough Masechta. So you're breaking your teeth and trying to understand the Gemara. You're aspirational, so you're trying to get through a Tosos. And you work on it for an hour, two hours, four hours. You listen over and over again. You listen to Rabbi Rosner and you listen to Sri Bornstein and you listen to, you're listening to everybody. And you're breaking your teeth and you can't get there. Did you waste your time? If you sit with a math problem, and every which way, without a calculator, you sit with your number two pencil, and you can't figure out the answer. Four hours, five hours, six hours, you have scribbles. Did you, figure, did you waste your time? Yes. If you don't have the solution to the math problem, you have nothing to show for the four hours you spent on it. But if you broke your teeth on the Gemara, if you toiled in Tosfos, and you have nothing to show for it, you have everything to show for it. Those four hours were the best use of your time. You were engaged, you were working, you were on the journey. You were bechukosai teilechu. Stefanski, I don't want to leave out Stefanski's death. You were bechukosai teilechu. You were on the journey. So says Rav Chaim Friedland, the Sifse Chaim, bechukosai teilechu. Amelis Batora is described as not learning. It's a journey. And it's not only the destination, it's not only the solution. Mekablam schar. Whether you understand or not, if you put in the effort, if you worked, if you toiled, that in itself is the goal. That in itself is the destination. The author of Slavodka has another interpretation. Because it says later in the parsha, Im lo If you don't listen to me, what's that talking about? We're going to talk about it more when we get there. But what does Im lo mean? Yachal elua mitzvos. Maybe it means that you neglect mitzvos. You're not obedient or compliant. You don't follow or keep halacha. But that can't be what it means. This is the inverse. It's the parallel to the beginning of our parsha, to our opening pasuk. How could that not be what it means? Because the Torah is going to tell us, We're already going to say, if you don't keep mitzvah, so what does it mean? Lotishmu. Lotishmu can't mean not keeping mitzvah, because we're going to say that explicitly in a moment. So what does in lotishmu mean, says the Medrash? Lios amelim batorah. If you neglect putting in an effort, if you want it to come easy, if you take the easy way out and the passive way of learning, if you don't actually open up a chumash and learn the parsha for yourself also, if all you do is listen to parsha perspectives, then it's not much a melis. These are very comfortable chairs. Coffee, granola bars. If you're watching or listening at home, you're sitting back in your comfortable recliner. That's not a lot of a melis. For me it is. I have to prepare this year. But for you, you get to just show up. So if you're not putting an amelis, no amelis betorah, that's imlotish me'uli. You see that the brachos and the klalos Everything that comes in our parsha, the tochacha we're about to read, all results, the measure, the determining factor about how Hashem interacts with us, what kind of life we will lead, is all determined by what? Not if we keep mitzvahs, because the assumption here is we're keeping mitzvahs. What is it determined by? How we keep mitzvahs. Do we do it the lowest common denominator? Do we get away with good enough or do we strive for great? Do we have a casual attitude towards halacha and Torah learning? Or are we amal? Do we toil? Do we work? Do we push our boundaries? Do we leave our comfort zone? Do we try to strive to be greater and greater and lift ourselves higher and higher? Says the altar of Slobodka that our measure of who we are and the determinant of the life we will lead is not only do we do mitzvahs, 
So not only do we set aside time for Torah learning, but it's the quality of that Torah learning. Are we Omel and Torah? I'll tell you another Devar Torah. This is really a shmuz for Yeshiva. But it's not. It's not only for Yeshiva Bachram in Yeshiva in life. Kolal Avrechem or Yungalite. It's for you and me. It's for all of us at every stage. Arguably, we have more time now. Many who are retired or many whose life has slowed down. What do we fill that time with? We have this time. The Gemara says, Mevatlan Talmud Torah Mibnei Mikra Megillah. Mevatlan Talmud Torah. If you're sitting and studying Torah, holiday of Purim comes, close the Gemara, get up and leave the base Medrash, go hear the Megillah. And the Mefarsh in the commentaries ask, one second, Mevatlan Talmud Torah Mibnei Mikra Megillah? We should abandon or Mevatlan, be Mevatel. We are nullifying Torah to go hear the Megillah? Last I checked, where is the Megillah? Where is it printed? Among what book? The Megillah is a book of Tanakh. The Megillah is Torah. Isn't that a fulfillment of Torah learning? What do you mean, Mevatlan Talmud Torah Mabnei Mikra Megillah? If you're in the base Medrash and you're steiging ice and it's time to hear the Megillah, it's Purim, close the Gemara, Bittal Torah, to go hear the Megillah. Bittal Torah? You're going to hear the Megillah. The Megillah is one of the 24 books of Tanakh. How is that Bittal Torah? Rabbi Yosef has a little safer in there. He and others answer. You know why that's called Bittal Torah? Because when you're listening passively in shul to the adorable story of the story of Purim, of the Megillah, but you could be breaking your teeth on a tesis. You could be sitting with the Megillah and learning the Megillah with the Radak and the Rashing and this David. You could be learning it in depth and all you're doing is listening superficially. That's also called Bittal Torah. It's a justified Bittal Torah because you have to hear the Megillah. But what do you see? That Bittal Torah is not only in quantity, if I stop learning, Bittal Torah is also in quality. If I'm not pushing myself to learn the depth, the profundity that I can, that too is Bittal Torah. It's a pretty high standard. We are a nation of overachievers. We're not satisfied with good, but collectively we strive for great. That's our parsha. Imlotishmauli means not that you didn't learn. You're like, what do you mean? You're going to get upstairs. Hashem says, you didn't listen to me. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't listen to you? Hashem says, yeah, you didn't listen to me. That's why I didn't make it rain. Literally or metaphorically, I didn't make it rain in your life. You didn't listen. I, I didn't listen. I learned the daf yomi. I went to the daf. Then I went to the parshashir. Then I went to the afternoon kolal. Then I put on 17 shiurim at home. When I went shopping, when I walked around the circle, when I cooked. I, I didn't listen to you? What are you talking about, Hashem? Hashem says, yeah. You did that. And if that's all you could do, that's amazing. And you get enormous credit for that. And I'm not minimizing that or disparaging that whatsoever, particularly if you listen to my shiurim. But what I'm saying, says Hashem, is beautiful you did all that. But could you have pushed yourself more? Could you have done more? Could you have challenged yourself to have a chavrusa, to open a sefer, to learn in a different way, in a higher level, to click the advanced shir, not only the beginner when you were listening? That's on Melis Torah, and that is the measure. Kotzker, share one more insight, and then we'll move past this first pasuk. Kotzker Rebbe, oh, I love the Kotzker. Zok the Kotzker, and our parsha. Quotes a medrash in Bechukosai Teilechu. The medrash says that our opening words in Bechukosai Teilechu are an allusion to a pasuk in Tehillim. Tehillim Parakuf Yutes, pasuk Nuntes. Chishavti Derachai. Va'ashiva raglai el edosecha. Chishavti derachai. I thought about my way. Va'ashiva raglai el edosecha. And my feet took me towards your testimony. 
What is David saying? Zok the Medrash says the Medrash. You know what David meant when he wrote this word, this sentence? Omar David, Ribono Shalom. Hashem Bachol Yom Vayom Eisi Machashiv Omar Lamakam Ploni Ani Holich. Vayaraglai Meviososi Labate Kinesis Labate Midrashos. And that's what it means. Vashivaraglai Eladosecha. Hashem, every day I wake up and I'm trying to go to work. And I'm trying to go to the gym. And I'm trying to go to the supermarket, the shop. But you know what happens? I can't help it. My feet on autopilot, they take me to the base medrash. They take me to the shul. I'm trying to go to these other places, but my feet are taking me back to the base medrash, back to the shul. Ask the katsur yesh lavin, how could it be if in my abir ploni, Come on. We know neuroplasty, neurologists, your brain is telling your legs what to do. Don't blame your legs on leading your brain. Your brain's in charge. It's called the Rosh, it's the head. It's in charge. So the brain says, go to the gym, go to work, go to the supermarket. How is it that the feet don't listen? How are the feet defiant? How do the feet lead to? If you really are stating, says David Amalekh, if you, David Amalekh, really want to go elsewhere, how is it working that your feet are taking you to the base medrash? Listen to the Kotzker. If you are calculating your ways, even your physical actions are Torah, then you turn wherever you go into a base medrash, a base kinesis. Psh, what a kutzker. It's not that David didn't arrive geographically where he meant to go. It's rather where he meant to go becomes altogether different, is elevated, is transformed because his mind makes everything a base medrash. At the supermarket and at work and in the gym, through the conversations you have, through what you're thinking about, through the prism through which you filter and see all that happens, it's all in the context of Torah and Avoda. You transform everywhere you go into a base medrash and a base kinesis. That's what David HaMelech was saying. That's what the Medrash means. Im b'chukosai teilechu. Teilechu means, it's not just when I'm in shul or when I'm in the base Medrash, that I'm engaged in religious activity. And then is my secular life. But rather, if I'm a religious personality, if I'm a Ben or a Bas Torah, everywhere I go is a base Medrash of life. I feel like that as a rabbi, because everywhere I go is Drushan material. Whatever's happening in life is Drushan material. Over Pesach, Yishai Rebo concert that happened, you may have heard of, whatever, he was a few songs in, neighbors complained, the police came and shut it down, they took him off stage, and my dear friend Rabbi Gibber's son, Chaim Gibber, was sitting a couple rows in front of me, and he turned around to me and he said something only a rabbi's child would say. He looked at me as they led Yishai Rebo off stage and abruptly ended this concert to the dismay of many people. He turned around and he said to me, Drush material. <laughs> only a rabbi's kid would say. Drusha material. That's how we live life. Everything is a base medrash for drusha material. But you don't have to be a rabbi to approach life and live everything and say, what's the Torah message? What's the Torah idea? How does this connect to the Torah that I've learned? David HaMelech turned to every place he went into a base medrash. Kotzker doesn't say this, the Slanam Rebbe does, but that's what David HaMelech also means when he says, David Melch says, I want to be in Kolo all of life. That's what David Melch wants. He's a warrior. He's got to go to battle. He's a king. He's in charge of the people. 
What do you mean shifty beves Hashem? And, and nobody, I don't care how generous your parents or in-laws are, nobody could sit in cold their whole life and learn literally all day. Got to go to the bathroom. You have to eat and sleep. You have to shower and bathe. You have to do other mundane activities. So how can you say, Shifti Bebeis Hashem Kol Yimei Says the Slanimer, consistent with the Kotzker, what he's saying about David HaMelech. What David HaMelech was saying was, not that I want to be in Shul or Beis Medrash all day. I want wherever I go to become a Beis Medrash. I want to feel your presence. I want to connect with you. I want to be living and learning you wherever I am. Shifti Bebeis Hashem Kol Yimei my legs, my feet, what could I do? They brought me. So wherever I went was a base medrash for you. That is life. Okay, next Pasuk. We read, It's going to rain in the right time. What does that mean, it's going to rain in the right time? What does that mean? What's the right time for the rain? What is the right time for the rain? Says Rashi, Bi'itam. You know when the right time is for it to rain? When you don't plan on leaving your house. Hashem is going to time the rain when you're not out and about. That's when He's going to make it rain. So when is that? When is about the best time? Kegon, Belele Revios, Uvalele Shabbosos. What are the Revios? Sunday night through Wednesday night. That's what it means. That's when it's going to rain. And late Friday night. Hmm? Why is that the best time for the rain? What does that mean? What does that mean? So says Rashi, you know what the bracha is? You need rain. We need rain. But rain is also inconvenient. So Hashem will give us both. We'll get the rain, but at convenient times. Like a sprinkler you could set to go on while you're sleeping, so it doesn't spray you while you're getting into your car. Kosh Baruch who sets the sprinkles of the world, the rain, that they operate in a time which is not inconvenient or uncomfortable for us. And when is that? Sunday night through Wednesday night and Friday night. Huh? Why is that? That's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. So why is that? So I'll tell you from the Sefer of the Sitcha Elyon, a turn Friday into Erev Shabbos Vort, that, I'll tell you right now, I may reuse during Friday, turn Friday into Erev Shabbos. It's so beautiful. Listen to this Vort. Why is that? Why is it then? So we see this comes from Medjish. If it rains on Thursday and Friday, it's a curse. If it rains on Sunday through Wednesday, it's a bracha. Why? Because Sunday through Wednesday, you're home. But Thursday and Friday, what are you doing? You're shopping and preparing for Shabbos. Niflalez boinein. This is wondrous to think about. HaTorah mavticha. Schar amale Torah. So remember what this is a conclusion of. In in learning. Sitting. Toil in Torah. And what's your reward for toiling in Torah? What is the reward? When you're preparing for Shabbos, you won't be inconvenienced. That's the reward. The reward is you're turning Friday into Erev Shabbos. That's the reward. Wow. 
מהו השכר שלא יפרו מהאחרונות צורכי שבס? ולכאורה ניתן היה לחכוס לשכר יוסר גדול לאדם. זה שכר. זה שכר. שכר זה make my bank account explode. make my portfolio go up. give me Aaron Judge's new contract. זה שכר. שכר is that you let me shop on ערב שבס in peace. So you know what the answer is? For a helige yid, that's char. That's what you long for and look to. You don't need a bigger house or a nicer car. For a Jew, you know what you want? Help me turn Friday into Erev Shabbos. That's the schar. Amelus and Torah, the schar for a life of Amelus and Torah is being able to turn Friday into Erev Shabbos. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that incredible? That is the schar. Peaceful. Ability to turn Friday into Erev Shabbos. I told the story and turned Friday into Erev Shabbos. I don't remember if I told it in the parish of Shir. But when the Satmar Rebbe met with Rav David Feinstein, Zatzal, he said, our fathers were close. We barely know each other. We'd love to. We should really spend time. And Rav David said, absolutely, I'd love to see you. So the Satmar Rebbe said, how about Thursday night? Thursday night was a good night. So Rav David Feinstein told the Satmar Rebbe, I can't. Every Thursday night, my wife gives me a shopping list. And I do the shopping for Shabbos at the grocery store. And I told that story in an email. I got an email from someone who lived on the Lower East Side who told me that Thursday night you knew if you went to the supermarket, you saw of David Feinstein, the Godel of America, arguably the biggest postsick in America, and he was pushing a cart through the supermarket aisles shopping for Shabbos. Because for a holy Jew, the reward for Amelis Betorah is getting to go to the supermarket on Erev Shabbos. That's the reward. Not I delegate it to someone else, Not, I'm too busy, don't ask me to do it. For of David Feinstein, the schar of Amelus Betorah, of Imbuchukosai Teilechu was, Gishmechem Bi'itam. Let it rain Sunday through Wednesday, Thursday night, I go to the supermarket. Hashem, let it not rain. The Lower East Side, you have to say, let it not snow. Kodesh Baruch Hu, let no one steal my hubcaps. Let, Lower East Side has a whole other set of tefillos that you have to say. Hashem, let me turn Friday into Erev Shabbos in peace. And in serenity, and that is the reward for a holy Jew, for a Godel Ador, for in Bechukosai Teilechu. Geshmak, no? Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So incredible, I may repeat it again, it turned Friday into Erev Shabbos. Pasuk Beis, Pasuk Hei, moving right along, third Pasuk. We read, V'hisig l'chem da'yish t'batzir v'atzir, he gives the zara v'achat m'lach m'chan l'sov v'yishat l'vetach ba'artzachem. Threshing will last until the vintage. These are different harvesting seasons, but they'll be so plentiful The bounty will be so great that they'll overlap until you'll eat bread and satiate. You'll be full and you'll dwell securely in your land. What is this talking about? What does this mean? So Rav Chaim Velazhner, the Nefesh Chaim, in his Ruach Chaim, Perak Aleph, says the following. After the Torah offers us promises of Olam Hazat to Shomri Torah, why do we see that for many people it doesn't come true? This is a big question, Parshish B'chukosai. It's a big question, Parshish Kisavo. When the Torah does allude to, it infrequently does, but when the Torah does, here it doesn't allude, it explicitly says, the system of reward and punishment. Keep Torah, it's going to rain, you can have peace, you can have children, life will be beautiful and good. And neglect Torah, you're going to struggle, you're going to suffer, you're going to be hungry, you won't have the money to pay the bills. Ask Rechaim Velazhner, that's nice in theory, But empirically, it's not true. We look around at this world, and there are incredibly righteous people who keep Torah and mitzvahs, and yet, there are bad things that happen to good people, and there are good things that happen to bad people. So it doesn't add up. It doesn't match what the Torah promises. 
מדוע רואים רבי מעובדה שמסבורך שחיים חיי צער דחקוס? We see many people who keep Torah and mitzvah scrupulously, vigilantly. They're omo, and they're yaga, they're, they're toiling in it, and yet, where are the brachos? Where's the rain? Where are the children? Says Rechaim, V'lashim nazru achayim, Asiyas maisa mitzvah z'maura kolachim misra shefa atzim shaltova u'bracha b'chol ulamos. Torah doesn't promise that when you do the right thing in the flow of blessing into this world, that you will be the recipient of the flow of blessing. It's that you are the catalyst for the flow of blessing. You open the pipeline. You open the channel. How much of it you get, that's still up to Hashem. How it works in this world and the next world. There are bad things that happen to good people in this world. And they have a lichtecha and a maridika gan eden. The bad in this world leaves them only pure good in the next. And there are, good, there are bad people who have good things happen in this world. They're living up all their Gan Eden in this world and there's nothing good left for them or waiting for them. We don't know Hashem's calculations. We don't know how He works. And when the Torah here promises that if you are well behaved and you're good, then good things happen, it doesn't mean good things happen for you. It means that you are responsible for the good things that flow and come down into the world and into the universe. And He says, that's what the Gemara means in Brachos. Gemara quotes The whole world is sustained by my son Hanina, but Hanina, he lives with carobs from Friday to Friday. He lives with kale. He eats gurnish, he eats nothing. He subsides on the worst punishment for man from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos. So while he is sustaining the entire world in his merit, he subsides and subsists on next to nothing. Says the Shlach Kadosh or Yishaya Levi Horowitz, Bishvil. What is the word Bishvil? Kola ulam kulo nizon Bishvil chanina. What do you mean, Bishvil? It means Lashon derech vitzinur. Kamo shvil harabim. Bishvil is like a shvil. What's a shvil? A pathway, a channel. Bishvil means that in Hanina's merit, there's a channel that Sinoros open up, the pipes of holiness, of blessing, the Shefa Bracha, the bounty of Bracha, they flow down to this world. Bishvil Hanina Bnei. But Hanina Bnei, Dailo Bakav Charuvim Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos. His lot in life, he's Mestapik Bemuat. Hanina Bnei has very little and is satisfied with little and needs little and doesn't challenge the calculations of Hashem. Aye, so where's the fulfillment of Parshas Bechukosai? Then if Bechukosai Teilechu, then Venasati Geshmechem Bi'itam is not for the Tzaddik himself, but he for society, he for the rest of the community, is the one who brings the Shefa Bracha. Is the one who brings the Shefa Bracha. And this, as Rechaim Velozhin, is how you understand the Gemara Chagiga. Gemara Chagiga Tezvav says, Zacha Tzaddik Nata Chelko Bechilik Chaveru Began Eden. If a tzaddik merits, he gets his portion and the portion of his friend in Gan Eden. That doesn't sound very nice. The tzaddik, the righteous, receive not only their portion, but they chaperai in the portion of their friend also in Gan Eden. I'm throwing in every Yiddish word I know today, if you didn't notice, by the way. I'm almost at the end of my limited list. They take their portion and the portion of their friend. Why do they have the right to take a portion of their friend? So says Rav Chaim Velazhner, Bechilek Shaharasha Lakach Mimenu Ba'olam Hazeh, 
Where did the Shefa Bracha that the Rasha took in this world come from? In the merit of the Tzaddik. So now when the Tzaddik gets to Gan Eden, it's time to collect. Now he collects the corresponding portion that he gave up from the Rasha in this world. Maybe you're not fully satisfied, but I think this is the beginning of a path. And I think it's a beautiful insight. Is that how do we understand this Parsha? It seems empirically to be not true. The answer is it is true. You'll say that Reb Chaim Kanievsky lived in squander and poverty. He lived with next to nothing in simplicity. We know other righteous people who suffer with very hard and difficult lives. I won't say them by name, but there are Rosh Yeshiva and Sadiqim whose Torah we quote, who have several children with disabilities, who have countless challenges, financial and otherwise, and you say, I don't understand it. The Torah they produce, these are the most righteous. Why are they suffering? The answer is, the answer is, the promise of the Torah is fulfilled. And the merit of their learning and their amelos, there is bracha. Just didn't go to them yet, but all the bracha around them and in this world, the prosperity of Klal Yisrael, it's in their merit. So the Torah doesn't promise it's all going to correspond. It promises they open the channels and it's in their merit that the flow, the flow occurs and the flow begins. Perech Pasuk Tes. Chavav Tes. One of the promises is, Five of you will pursue a hundred, a hundred of you will pursue ten thousand, the enemies will fall before you. And now Pasuk Tes. And I will turn my attention to you. I'll turn to you and I'll make you fruitful and increase and I'll establish my promise, my bris, my covenant with you. The Chidush Harim, the Ger Rebbe, had an interesting thought on these words, Ufanisi Aleichem, that Ufanisi Aleichem, Alderach Drush, this is not what it means literally, but the, uh, the um, Chidush Harim, the Ger Rebbe said, that what it means, Ufanisi Aleichem, means, Sheyelachem Penai Lecholdavar. Ufanisi, the word Penai means to have time available, to have space and margin in life. Ufanisi Aleichem. You know what the biggest bracha we can have is? Margin, space, to not feel overwhelmed and to not feel busy. Ufanisi Aleichem. To have some space and some margin. That no matter how busy we are, we are not overly consumed. Ufanisi Aleichem. Shielechem Penai Lecholdavar. That you will have time, that you'll find the time that you'll be able to take on projects and dreams and aspirations, and it won't be at the expense of your health or your learning or your children or your family. Ufanisi Aleichem, the bracha that we strive for, that we want to merit, is of Ufanisi Aleichem, Shielechem Penai, that there'll be time without it being a trade-off, without having to give up something in the process. Okay, Perch of Pasuk Yud Aleph. Again, continuing with the bracha still. You'll eat the old grain and remove the old grain to make way for the new grain, meaning there won't be supply chain issues. Our parsha tells us, literally it tells us, explicitly it tells us, if you merit, the supply will flow. And if you're not obedient and compliant, and if you don't merit, there'll be supply chain issues. Torah literally tells us, you will struggle in 2022, like a third world country, to have baby formula to give your children. Torah tells us, wake up. If that's happening, learn from it, grow from it, improve yourself from it. Be better because of it. Children's lives are threatened. They can't be supported with formula. 
Is that generation valuing the life of a baby, of a child? Maybe there's something to learn, the value of life. I'm not creating a direct line or correlation between the two. These are complex subjects to have to do justice. They take nuance, but it's a wake-up call. That's what this entire Parsha is, a wake-up call. It says, if things are not going the way the Torah promised, then look in the mirror and ask yourself, what can we grow, what can we improve? What do we need to make better? There'll be so much supply that you'll have to throw out the oversupply to make room for the new crop. And if you don't, if you don't merit, you'll have supply chain issues. That's literally in our Parsha. It's a wake-up call. The Apostle Gedalov continues, I will place my holiness, my sanctuary, Mishkani, Milashon Shachin, you'll feel I'm a neighbor to you, you'll feel I'm right there, I'm accessible to you. And I will not reject you. I will not reject you. What is I won't reject you. What does that mean? So let's go back to the Eish Tamil. Back to Rav Druk, who was just here last week, who spoke here. Between Melchamarev. Gave Divra Hesper for his Rebbe, for Reb Chaim. What is Vulosigal Nafshi Zogdrashi? Ein Ruchi Katzabachem. You ready for this? You know what the big bracha Hashem says is? You'll never make me throw up. I'll never be repulsed by you. You'll never make me nauseous about you. I'll never be so turned off by you. I won't be disgusted by you. Wow, that's romantic. Could you imagine? Imagine at the Sheva Brachas, the son in law stands up and he says to the Kala, your daughter, I want you to know, I'm so excited to live with you, to build a life with you, to build a home with you, to light up the world with you, to change the world with you. And I want you to know, in closing, that no matter what happens, no matter how much weight you gain, no matter how much ugly you become, no matter how many children or babies you have, I'll never be repulsed by you. Mazel tov. That's, that's, could you imagine? Lo sigal nafshi eschem. Kosh Baruch Hu says, no matter what you do, no matter how much weight you gain, I'll never be repulsed by you. Ein ruchi katzabachem. Kol ge'ilu lashen pleitas davar abalua bedavar acher. Rashi spells it out. The word sig'al comes from ge'ilu pleitas davar abalua. Something inside of something else that gets spit out. It's called vomit. You'll never make me throw up. I'll never be so disgusted and repulsed by you that I'll throw up. Mazel tov. Could you imagine? For the anniversary. Even after all these years, you've never made me repulsed. I've never thrown up because of you. Happy anniversary. Imagine. So what does this mean? The Ramban is bothered by this question. And the Ramban gives The Ramban gives a very uh, mystical, very... Um, very uh, difficult to understand answer. So what does it mean? So the of Druk in his Eish Tomid, we didn't get to this last year, that's why I'm saved it for this year. What does that mean? What does that mean? So he quotes from his father Avi Mori from the Drash Mordechai, of Mordechai Druk. When it comes to a relationship with God, there is no happy medium. There is no parav. There are two extremes. Mm-hmm. 
There is no middle category, there is no neutral. We either are feeling his presence with us, or we have spit him out. We have vomited him from among us. There is no neutral. We're either living our lives that Hashem wants to dwell with us, or we're living our lives that we've not made room for him, that he wants no part of us, that we have vomited him out and he has vomited us out. We're either in love and living with love and showing love, or there's hate, there's repulsiveness, there's distance. Those are the two extremes. There is no middle category. There is no middle. There is no middle. He says that's why in Parshas Kisavo, which compliments, that's the Tochacha there, Lerosh Velo Lezanav. That's it? You're either the head or the tail? You can't just be the ribsteak in the middle? You can't be the flanken? You're either the head or the tail? The answer is yes. In a relationship with Hashem, you're acting, you're either a head or a tail. That's it. There is no middle ground. And he goes on and gives many other examples and evidence there is no middle ground. I would humbly submit to you a different answer. And what we were just mocking a moment ago is in fact very romantic and very beautiful. Sometimes a woman turns to a husband, a husband to a wife, and they say, would you still love me if I put on 100 pounds? Will you be attracted to me? Will you love me? And that's a moment of truth. And in a healthy and a good and a beautiful marriage, the answer is yes. There's nothing you can do that would make me feel repulsed by you. I love your character and I love your personality and I love the life we've built together. I love who we are. And my love is much deeper than skin deep. And there's nothing you can do that would repulse me. Eat a little bit more kale, but there's nothing that you could do that would repulse me. That would repulse me. In fact, that is very romantic. I wouldn't say it during Sheva brachas or under the chuppah, but in a private conversation, it's a very, very romantic and a very beautiful statement to say that my love for you is so pure and so genuine and so deep that even though we may hit bumps in the road and even though we might have friction and even though you might disappoint me and I disappoint you, it is so deep and is so profound and it is so unconditional that we'll always find a way back. There's nothing you could do that would make me repulsed. Nothing you could do that would make me want to leave. Kirsch Baruch was turning to us and he's saying, you know what my bracha is? That when you're doing the right thing, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you can do. No matter how ugly you get, Klal Yisrael. No matter how ugly you get in exile. No matter how low you sink, no matter what you do. If first you do these merits and you do these mitzvahs and you frame it in these beautiful things, the mistakes you'll make within the context of the beautiful relationship we have, I can never be repulsed or driven away by you. Here's another comment in Vihisalachti Bisokachem. But I want to move over because I want to make sure to get to. Perachavav Pasuk Yedalad. If you listen to nothing else, listen to this. Perachavav Pasuk Yedalad. Now we have the inverse of what we began with. If you, in Bechukos, I Telechu, I'm going to make it rain. But im los Ishmuli, Velosasu is called Mitzvah Sa'ila. If you don't listen to me, and if you don't keep my Mitzvahs, in Bechukos, I Tim Asu. And if you reject and you are repulsed by my chukim, in mishpatai tig then there's a terrible consequence to that. So Rashi says, what is lotishma uli? We referenced that earlier. 
What does Latish Mulu, you didn't listen to me? What does it mean? Lios Amelim Batorah. Not toiling in Torah is the definition of not listening. Rechaim Shmulevitz, the great Rechaim Shmulevitz, the Rashiv of the Mir, Sichos Musr, he says, Why is it Lotish Muli Shalotiya Amelim? Maybe Lotish Muli means you weren't learning. You know, it has been said, Davening is our talking to Hashem. Learning Torah is Hashem talking to us. When we learn Torah, Hashem is speaking to us. And when we daven, we're speaking to Him. So, Lo Tishmuli, you're not listening to me, should translate as, you're not learning Torah. Why does it translate as the higher or the deeper level of, you're not Amelim Torah? Lo Tishmuli. So, Chaim explains, Chaim Shemalavit says, and he was an example of this himself, he was a mavakish. He was Moser Nefesh. He toiled and he had ambition and he had drive in Torah learning. And he said, what it means is that if you're not Amel, then you're not listening. You can't superficially learn Torah. Torah doesn't lend itself to superficiality. Torah doesn't lend itself to surface learning. Torah doesn't lend itself to a soundbite. We're going to talk about this on Shavuos when we examine the Jewish view of abortion, pro-choice, pro-life, where do we fit in, who are we? And, and one of the reasons that I want to look at it is not only about abortion, the topic per se, but as a case study of a contemporary issue which people have hijacked to try to misrepresent superficially. So you look on Twitter and you'll see some politically are inclined to say, Judaism is aligned with pro-choice. And others definitively say, Judaism is aligned with pro-life. And Judaism is neither. Torah doesn't conveniently fit into either. It's nuanced and it's complicated and it's filled with gray. And the Torah doesn't fit into 140 characters. Torah is not superficial and it's not simplistic. So Chaim Shlevet says, Im lo means you're not amal b'Torah. Ah, you could be learning all day long, but if you're doing it casually and superficially, if you're doing it on the surface level, if you're doing it to fit into 140 characters for a sound bite, then you're not listening. Imlotish Muli means Amelis Batora. It translates as Amelis Batora. It is the definition of Amelis Batora. Shlomo Volba, the great Ali Shor, understands that a little bit differently. He says, Why doesn't it say, Im Shouldn't it be the, in fact, exact inverse? Why aren't we... It should be the parallel, the opposite. If the parsha began, in b'chukosai te'lechu, now we should continue, in b'chukosai lo te'lechu. Why did we shift and change? Instead of in b'chukosai lo te'lechu, we became im lo tishmu'u. Im lo tishmu'u. So, Ravoba quotes from the Medrash. The Medrash Mas Rabbah says, Shimu v'tchinav shechem, listen and your, and your soul will live. And the Medrash there says, if a person fell off the roof and they broke every bone in their body, and they come to the doctor and the doctor bandages every bone in their body, so the doctor saying into their ear, I want you to heal, won't heal the bones of their body. The bones of their body have rods and casts and bandages, and each bone needs to heal independently. Because Baruch Hu says, not so with you. The damage you've done to all of your limbs and your bones of your body through misbehaving, you can heal and you can fix with one organ, namely, your ear. Simply listen 
And by listening and learning, you can fix and repair and transform every limb and every bone of your body. Azayzak the Medrash. That's the Medrash. Shimu shechem. Listen, and you can restore the life of your soul. You can heal entirely through the one feature of your ear, and it will, it will transform you. The Mashkiach Rabbi Chesko Levenstein said, when he was a bacher tzayir, when he was a young bacher in Raden, he heard a, 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 a shmuz, a musar shmuz from the Mashkiach Rabbi Rocham, and afterwards he said, my tzitzis were never real tzitzis, and my tefillin weren't real tefillin, and my amuna was an amuna, and now, now everything is different. Everything. I thought I was wearing tzitzis, I didn't know what tzitzis were. I thought I was wearing tefillin, I didn't know what tefillin were. I thought I said shema, I didn't know what shema was. I thought I had amuna, I didn't know what amuna was. Through our ear, we can repair and transform and redefine and recreate everything about who we are. That's the kawach hashmiya. It has the ability to transform. That's why imlo tishmuuli amelim batorah. Through our ear and through that amelus, it lifts and it changes. But it has to be beyond just the surface. It has to be beyond just learning the data and the statistics. It has to be something so much more. Lichtenstein Zatzal, Ravon Lichtenstein writes the following. A couple of years after we moved to Yerushalayim, I was once walking with my family in the Beis Yisrael neighborhood where Mrs. Zalman Meltzer used to live. For the most part, it consists of narrow alleys. We came to a corner and found a merchant stuck there with his car. The question came up as to how to help him. It was a clear case of prikotina, which is a halacha in the Torah, helping one load or unload a burden. There were some children there from the neighborhood who, judging by their looks, were probably 10 or 11 years old. They saw the merchant was not wearing a yarmulke. So they began a whole pilpul based on the Gemara Psachim Kufyud Gimel, whether they should help him or not. They said if he walks around bareheaded, presumably he doesn't separate Shumas and Maisras. So he's suspect of eating and selling untithed produce. And therefore maybe the halacha prikotin of helping him doesn't apply. So Lichtenstein says, he writes, I wrote Rav Salavechik, his father-in-law, a letter at the time, and I told him of the incident. And I ended with the comment, quote, children of that age from our camp would not have known the Gemara, but they would have helped him. My feeling then was, why, Ribbono Shalom, must, must this be our choice? Can't we find children who would have helped him and still know the Gemara? Do we have to choose? I hope not. I believe not. If forced to choose, however, I would have no doubts where my loyalties lie. I prefer they learn less Gemara, but know to help him. It was an interesting insight and story. Of course, Rav Lichtenstein aspires that we produce children who do both. Know the Gemara and then instinctively kick in to help. We should want to produce both. It's an interesting challenge, which one and so on. But when I saw this, it also reminded me. That's exactly what our Pasuk is telling us. Imlo tishmu'u, amelim batorah. The amelis batorah has to lead to a tishmu'u where our organs and limbs kick in to put it into practice. And it reminded me also a story of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe is a famous story. Alter Rebbe was once at home immersed in his learning and he heard the cries of a baby. So what did he do? He stopped learning and he went down the stairs and he lovingly picked up his grandchild who had fallen out of his crib. And he held the baby and he rocked the baby and he soothed the baby until the baby stopped crying. He put him back in the crib and he rocked gently for a short while until he fell asleep. And the Alter Rebbe's son, Rav Dover, who had become known as the Mittler Rebbe, was in the room as the baby, same room, but was so engrossed in his learning that he was oblivious to everything that was happening. There's different versions of the story. He was in the next room and the Alter Rebbe was in the third room. 
whatever the version is. The Mitla Rebbe was in the room closer to, or the same room as the baby. But he was so engrossed in his learning, he was so omel in his learning, he didn't hear the baby crying. So when the Rudov bear finally felt his father's presence, and he looked up at his father, the Alter Rebbe, his father gave him Musr. And he said, you should never ever be so engrossed in Torah learning that it causes you to not hear the cries of a baby. Or put differently, learning which prevents you from hearing a, a baby crying is not Torah learning. That's not Torah learning. Torah learning should make you more sensitive to hear the cries of a baby, not deaf to it, not less of it. That's in Lo Tishmu. That's what our Pasha is telling us. In Lo Tishmusha, you were not Amal B'Torah, because if you were Amal in Torah, you'd hear the baby crying. Amal B'Torah doesn't mean you don't hear the baby crying. If you were Amal B'Torah, you'd hear the baby crying. If you were Amal B'Torah, Rav David Feinstein, you'd be pushing the cart through the supermarket on Thursday night. If you're Amal B'Torah, you'd be wanting to turn Friday into Arab Shabbos. If you're Amal B'Torah, you'd be kicking into action. You'd be putting what you're learning into practice, into actual practice. All right, we ran out of time, but I'll tell you what you're missing. At the end of the Parsha, we have a, a, a promise. First of all, it's strange. It's in the middle of the Tokacha. We're in the middle of the harsh rebuke. I'm just going to ask it as a question. We say this in our slichos, so it's worthwhile to know what it means. One day, when I'm 118, we'll be up to in slichos. One day. We say in the, in the parasha, we say it in slichos, I'll remember my bris with Yaakov, and even my bris with Yitzchak, and my bris with Avram I'll remember, and the land I'll remember. Why are we giving, why is Hashem giving comfort in the middle of the Tochacha? I'm going to destroy you, I'm going to kill you, you want to baby your children will die, you'll be at war, you'll have no peace of mind, you'll be on the run. But I remember, my, what is it doing here? It's out of place. And why is it in the reverse order? Why are you remembering Yaakov and then Yitzchak and then Avram? And why are we equating the bris with the land with the bris with our forefathers? What is that all about? We'll set it aside, Mir Tashem. We'll do it next year. Have a fantastic Shabbos. Stay happy, stay holy. And it's not Shabbos, it's only Tuesday. Have a good Shabbos. Every day is Bechina Seir of Shabbos. Have a great Shabbos. Have a great day. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.